Hello, I'm Majid Bouguera. You are listening to This is iBox, the Rangers podcast. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of This is iBrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and joining me as usual, we have Wally, Scott and Tommy. How are you doing, guys? Hi, Martin. How are you doing? Hi, Martin. How are you? And we've also got a special guest joining us tonight. He was meant to join us last week, but I broke the news to him about Dundee. So he left us at the last minute, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, how are you doing? I'm all right. It's a, just a nice quiet week last week, so I thought <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, obviously we were meant to have the pod last week, but we we, we couldn't have it for, for several reasons. The biggest reason was I just couldn't be bought up. Um, but uh, Jordan, how's things gone with you uh, with the coronavirus and stuff like that? I'm keeping keep busy. Um, a lot of people said, you know, how are you going to uh, how are you going to maintain the number of articles you write when no football? But Scottish football makes sure that's never a problem, but <laughs> drama after drama. So no, it's um, not that much a change for us because. You know, a lot of your stuff's about features rather than um, press conferences or anything. So, now nah, maybe just doing a wee bit of more um, interviews and historic stuff, maybe um, just until football's back. But no, nah, it's gone gone all right for me so far. So, aye, it's a bit of a strange time, but you know, hopefully we'll get through it. Well, if you listen to a wee bit of what's came out of England today, they might be playing games behind closed doors, but um, we'll wait and see what the SPL say about that. But. I thought I would start actually on Yanis Hadji. Now, there was a report, and I think it was Goal.com. Yes, yeah. my missus continues to make so much money. You live in a haunted mansion. I live in a haunted mansion. Is what I live in. Um, it was Goal.com saying that um, Hadji's agent had come out and said that he was very, very close to signing a deal with Rangers, Jordan. Uh, what do you know about it? I so, um, basically, I know that that's not true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> um, you know, I think Rangers, Rangers are like the player, and they've been impressed with him, especially his numbers. Um, you know, maybe the stuff that we don't see. Um, you know, the analysis department, they've been impressed by him. Um, he said to really like being at Rangers, and he wants to be part of that challenge going forward. And you know, having the challenge of taking over Celtic and reclaiming um, Rangers' position at the top. So, um, I think that excites him. And I think you've seen that he is one of those players that does seem to have the mentality to cope with the pressure that I brooks. You know, it's all right having the technical ability, but you know, I think he proved against Braga that you know he has got the he has got the the brain power to take a game with a scruff of its neck. And even if he's given it away a few times during the game, I don't think it phases him too much. Um, he's still looking to get on the ball, so um, yeah, that may be to do with the fact that he's grown up with that pressure with his dad for his life. So. No, I think there is like the will there to make it happen between both parties, but um, I don't think you'll be seeing anything happening on it anytime soon just because, you know, obviously nobody knows what the market's going to be like when football comes back because, you know, money's gone out, out, out the game there. You know, people are just spending their money and maintaining their squad, never mind spending four and a half million euros on activating a, a release clause. So um, I think. Once maybe everything gets back to some sort of normality, it might you might see some movement on it. But um, I, I'd say like both parties are keen keen for it to happen, but just not now. <laughs> and that's actually quite a good point, Thomas. We we spoke about that before about player values and stuff like that, and we, we did speak about Hadji. And 
it's somebody we would like to bring. But I, I think, was it, was it four million was the agreed fee? So that can't really change, can it? Well, I think, and Jordan might have a, a view on this as well. It's one of the follow-up questions I was about to ask. That my understanding was there was a hard and fast first offer agreement. Rangers was exclusively in the, the front of the pecking order there, and I think it's four, four and a half million euros. So you'll excuse me if the conversion rate doesn't naturally spring to mind at the moment. But I'm just wondering as well, Jordan, in your conversations, and it's a point you make there with money bleeding out of clubs and, and not a lot coming in at the moment. Was there any indication that there's maybe other clubs in the background jostling to get ahead of that agreement that we've got? So I think uh, there's definitely interest um, in Hadris. Um, you know, other teams in Italy especially, I think that interest is definitely real. But um, Rangers do have, uh, I think it was termed as exclusive, an exclusive option on them. So if both parties are willing, then Rangers meet the fee, then it should, yeah, it should in, in theory be done. Um, but I think it was also misreported when he joined Rangers about the actual fee that Genk played, paid for him in the, in the first place. I think it was €9 million. Euros. And I think everybody wondered why are they offering Rangers, you know, offering for half the money. But I'm told that it was closer to actually what he's been, what, what is written into the clause for Rangers. Um, so it would pop sort of them getting the money back, basically. Um, so I, I think I think there are, there are other teams interested, but um, like I think Hadji's always he's yet to be decided whether he's going to be a player who does make it to the very top of the game. But I think even if he doesn't go into fulfil his potential, he's always at a minimum level, you know, a Scotland or a Belgium. So I don't think even if Rangers were to spend four million or whatever it is on him, that it's going to be a struggle to get near that money back. Because I think his profile and the fact that he's always got that ability that he's shown in the Europa League that that'll always make sure that he at least bounces back to a good level to some extent. So I don't think it's as much a gamble as people maybe say, but I also think he's probably got to be a bit more insistent if he's to justify four or five million um, in the position Rangers are at just now. But whether that, because I know FIFA have obviously um, like talked about the fact that contracts might run out in May, June. Um, how does that affect players who will become a, basically a, a Bosman option? Um, they've spoke about like short-term options over the summer. So, like these loan agreements, does the, does the activation clause need to be triggered by May thirtieth, June thirtieth, or is it at the end of the season? What happens if the season's not played? Like so many different permutations. So, it'll probably need to be something for FIFA or UEFA that decide when Rangers can activate it and when it no longer really exists. Um, but I yeah, just want me follow-up question if you and you indulge me, Martin, um, for a moment. I'm just wondering, Jordan, and some of this might be, you know, um, particularly um, confidential and maybe not out there, but I'm just wondering, were you aware of any um, clauses within the contract about, and I'm just specifically thinking about money in, money out at the moment of clubs, that any activation to, to buy Yanis Hadji, the payment would have to be upfront, lump sum, staggered. Was, do you have any indication of that type of bill? Nah. No, I don't. I don't know that. Um, I think not. I think the way these usually work is that if Rangers did activate it, then the breakdown of it would then be discussed as a, a separate deal. I don't think it's like factored in when they make the loan deal. Um, that you know, you'd assume that maybe half of it would be up front or something like that, and then a couple of instalments over a couple of more years. But no, I don't know for sure on that, so I would just be guessing really if I, if I said I did. Okay, Jordan. Um, 
I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. This isolation is a nightmare. My missus has just got a munchie box in and we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's a munchie box? What's that? I know you're too posh to know what a munchie box is. <laughs> no, no, it's just, I, I, I was getting served in a cushion, the uh, wagra and queer uh, type. <laughs> so I've just been informed it's actually a mixed kebab. Um, <laughs> moving on for Hadji then, and I'll, I'll come to Scott and, and Willie in a minute, but Jordan's far more important. So, um, Alfred, Alfredo Morelos reports linking on with a possible move to Leicester. Um, Jordan, but what I heard was they're going to do character um, profiling on him before they, they, they go ahead with the move, so to speak. Right. Well, uh, you know, I don't, I've not really heard the, the Leicester rumour. You know, there's obviously been a lot of different teams interested in Morelos since he's joined and you know a few offers have been made and never accepted um but you know he, he's, a, he's a difficult it's a difficult one to, to really speak about because obviously after Jan, I think before January everybody was talking about how many you know a case of how many goals he was going to get this season but obviously tailed off once he, he came back in January um he didn't really look his, his sharpest so how that's affected his, his value and whether teams will want to take that risk again, especially if the market does crash, like will they want to spend fifteen, twenty million pounds on a player who is who for as good as they can be is still got that odd temperament problem. But you know, I think yeah, it's good enough to go to Leicester and play at that level. Um, but it just it just depends on what Rangers are looking for. I think in January you are talking record sums for a Scottish player, um, for a, for a player leaving Scotland. So. I don't think Rangers will get that now, especially in the environment. But like I think, I think he does have the potential there. So it's just a case of um, you need to wait and see. But um, I, I'm not sure how they even the summer market will now work. So probably complicates a lot of things if, if Rangers were planning on reinvesting that money. So I, well, I, I thought if Leicester were going to be <clears throat> interested in a Scottish player, it might have been somebody for a different club, but. Maybe he's just not as good as that. Why? <laughs> um, Scott, we, we've discussed Morelos quite a lot. Um, yeah. and Jordan makes a good point there about um, finances with this whole coronavirus. But was Morelos' value kind of decreasing as the season was, was, was going on, especially after January? Yeah, I certainly think so. I think with um, Morelos, without using our sort of current terminology that we hear a lot about, he's kind of flattened his own curve a little bit. So, sort of for the first half of the season, he was excellent and his stock was rising. Jordan's quite right to point out just his value must have been sold and sold and sold to the extent some of the, the figures that were getting bandied about from towards the end of the year um, were quite exciting, a bit worrying, and the off chance if one of them came in that was too tempting to knock back, despite Gerard saying that he was going nowhere. However, since the turn of the year, um, it's kind of went downhill for him a wee bit. He's certainly not been in good form. Um, hasn't he picked up the best publicity either? So, yeah, I don't think he's, his value is anything like what it was towards the end of 2019, the trip to Celtic Park. It's, it's certainly nothing like that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, we've said previously, I, I would like them to, to try and hold on to him for another year if they possibly can. Um, you just wonder how the, the current sort of state of play in football is going to affect how much money is going to change hands in generally. So he may he may hang about anyway. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next sort of three to six months with Morelos. And I'll, I'll just quickly take that point to you, Willie, about either keeping Morelos or letting him go. Where do you stand on Alfredo Morelos at Rangers? Obviously, with the disciplinary problems, 
he does bang in the goals, but when he's half form, he's really half form, and he showed that this season. Yeah, I couldn't buy a goal right now. Um, but I, I think I'd like to keep him, but um, I can't see it happening, especially the, as the guy, like the rest of the folk are saying, um, with the climate, is the transfer market and that as well. I think we kind of maybe need to get some money in, uh, to be totally honest, um, especially kind of given the circumstances. So probably I away. Right, well, we'll move on again, and this was something you mentioned to me that, uh, earlier on the day, Jordan, and you sat in on, what's it called, webinars at webinar, the youth teams? Uh, um, yeah. Just before you come in, guys, if you just want to ask Jordan any, any questions after this, because I've not done any research. So, Jordan, if you want to just let us know a wee bit about uh, what you sat in on and what it was like and stuff. Hi, so uh, basically since the whole coronavirus um, has obviously stopped the academy players playing, um, like Craig Mulholland and um, Ross Wilson and all the different coaches have come up with different ideas to try and, you know, make sure that the boys are still getting properly trained when they're at home. So like, they've brought in loads of things like, um, you know, different things like balls that's on a string and it replicates passing it off a wall and all that sort of thing. Um, but the webinars are, are quite an interesting concept, I think. Um, so I think they must have had six, seven coaches. So Murray, Kevin Thompson, Wilson, um, Mulholland, David McCallum, they were all sitting in it. So I think the fact that every single one of them are sitting in these these webinars is quite good. So basically the boys will get the camera set up. And uh, on the Monday they're sent out, a, they're sent out a, like a maybe half an hour long video. I'm not sure how long it is, but it's basically like clips of loads of different age groups from the first team development squad, 18s, 16s, all the way down. And it's working on the Rangers, the game model, they call it, might, might sound fancy, but basically just the style of play that runs throughout the club. Um, so then they'll pause it and he'll, he'll bring a couple of the boys in and ask them what they're thinking in that moment. And they'll, they'll discuss, you know, what they're, what they're looking for for the players, basically. So just trying to, like, basically, uh, you know, trying to ingrain those things in their, in their mind. I had to get a shock when I joined in. <laughs> He's a suspect <laughs> character in the camera <laughs> I've never seen before, but... Uh, I have, thankfully to explain to us, but um, no, it was quite a good insight, I think. So um, I'm going to hopefully do another couple of things like that um, with the academy. Um, so there's a lot of good work going, going on. Jordan, can I ask, is the, um, there's obviously representatives from various different age groups here. Is it, a, is it a, just a, did they get together with the under-12s all together? Or is, is there a, a sort of representative for each member, if you like, each group moving onwards? Uh, so the, the two groups I sat in them were the 15s and the 16s, so it was their respective coaches, but then I think Mulholland and Wilson were there just, you know, to show their face, to show that they're invested and make sure it works. Um, so obviously you've got the parents probably sitting in the background, so um, they want to make sure it's, um, they're getting the right the right treatment. So um, I know it did seem like it was everybody sort of trying to learn in it as well, because um, I think they're going to maybe try and keep it going once the football's back, just as an extra thing, because I think they're seeing value in it already. So, no, I think it's your own coach as the primary person, who obviously right, okay. has got that relationship. But then you've um, you've obviously got, you know, David McCallum and Thompson take the 18s. So, that 16s group will shortly be moving up with him. Um, yeah. So, I think you probably they want to keep it sort of interactive and make sure that they can go up and down the age group so that they know everybody's a, a known face to them. It's a cracking idea, really, isn't it, with um, whoever's sort of pulled it together for the, the training centre deserved a lot of credit. It's a really good idea, really good idea. Uh, no, it was a... Uh, Wilson and uh, 
Ross Robson and Craig Mulholland said that they're up at 11 o'clock every night just batting ideas <laughs> against each other. Uh, sounds like they're having a fun lockdown. <laughs> just before anybody else comes in, did you see the disgust in Thomas's face when I said I hadn't done any research on this? <laughs> he was raging. I, I tried my best to hide it, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know that for VIPs, to be fair. I don't know. No, I'm driving a bus all day. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to let it slide. That's it. That's it. Move on. I should, I should point out as well. Um, I know that Scott in the corner of my screen here is still rightly chuffed with himself for polishing that gem of flattening the curve and yes. getting yes. the conversation. So yeah, okay. Good on to you. There's your hashtag. Yeah, we're flattening, we're flattening the curve of this conversation. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> So a, a, a couple of and well spotted Martin, I was I was I was fairly disgusted, mate. Um, <laughs> a couple of things actually jumped off the, the page when I did read the article and do the research. <laughs> was, I hope that just uh, can I just say I hope that wasn't just a freestyle. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just going to pretend you cut out there. <laughs> Um, I was actually, yeah, I was quite surprised as well, and you've touched on it. I was quite surprised to see Ross, Ross Wilson in there, but obviously he's just, you know, there is a, a kind of touch point and overseeing, making sure it's working. It'd be interesting if you're seeing these types of webinars from other clubs, if you if you if you know that anybody else is doing that for their age groups. But also, there was a line within the article that was saying that there was a joke at the start about Kevin Thompson looking, you know, tired because he's doing the welfare calls. And I'm quite interested, obviously the webinars are one part of a kind of matrix of keeping the players identified with football, also seeing how they're coping. Is that something that are actively working on as well? I know, I think definitely, like that sort of making sure that, you know, the players are obviously just kids, making sure that they're still feeling okay, because obviously they've been used to such a, like a regimented schedule for God knows how many years they're in the 16s, they've potentially been there for six, seven years, so probably quite a strange time for them. So, I think something Mo Holland said at the end of the, the, the conversation as well was that he was saying to the kids and the parents, like, if you need, I think they've got a, a mental health nurse as well, and they've got a player liaison um, officer as well for the kids. So, I think, like, they'll make sure they've got a, that security network behind them that they need them to talk to them, that they've definitely got somebody. Um, cause I, <laughs> Kevin Thompson did look absolutely drained for the time he came on the call. So they'd done 29 calls. Um, so thank you for that sort of thing. But um, no, I think they're trying to keep in touch with as, as regular as possible. But something as well that I think the first team has, um, has built on as well in terms of the liaison officers. So I think, when, I think since Gerard's come in, they've, maybe, they've, maybe, they've definitely strengthened that, um, strengthened that department. But I don't know how many, exactly how many people it's by. I think by a couple, I think, at least. Um, so like the woman who the woman who deals with the play, the foreign players signing and helping the flats and like she's been really busy as well during this period because obviously you know they're training um, using Strav apps and Jordan Nelson keeping in contact with them regularly to make sure that they're uh, keeping occupied and keeping fit so I think that side of things is definitely a joint up approach for the club and also in the description of this pod when it goes out it will be um, special guest Jordan Campbell and his missus. She made a wee appearance there, switched on a light. I thought, wee <laughs> wave, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of things 
more creepy than hearing Martin say your <laughs> appearance uh, over a video call. It's all, it's all right, me and Jordan are best mates now. We've been talking all day, it's all right. <laughs> um, right, actually, you mentioned it there, Jordan, and I think we'll bring it up. And Rangers in the media, I think it's fair to say, guys, over the last kind of few years haven't really got on. Um, but I've never heard a bad word for any Rangers fan spoke about the Athletic. And actually, just before I come to you, Jordan Thomas, I'll go to you because I'm too cheap to subscribe, right? I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but I know that Thomas subscribes. Um, so, Thomas, if you just tell us a wee bit about what you, how you find the athletic and stuff like that, and then we'll go to Jordan. Well, with all due regard that Jordan's on the on the call as well, right? Just ditch off for a second. Then go back. No, the reason the reason I did it, and I think it's probably the, the overriding reason that a lot of people a lot of people have signed up initially was because there was a dedicated reporter, i.e. Jordan, took toward the club. And then when you see the articles, they're fair-minded, they're well-researched, they are um, thought-provoking, and they're not sensationalist. And I think that's probably because it's a sub- subscription service. They're not trying to drag people in with clickbait and I'm, you know mainstream media. I'm looking at you when I say that. And then on top of that, you get access to a lot of other you know articles about you know everything. And then you've got the podcasts, the videos. I think the Athletic Jordan, you can keep me right here. Sounds like I'm writing a press release for the Athletic, but um, they've just purchased uh, Tifo Football that do the YouTube videos, the animated ones. So that's now part of the Athletic stable as well. So for what it costs, I think it's I think it's real value for money. Checks in the post, Jordan. Did you used to work at Talksport, Jordan? I. Eh? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was uh, Sky Sports. Oh, right. Sky Sports. That's part of your research, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hold on, Sky Sports own talk sport, right? So technically, it did work for talk sport, right? But um, I, I, just, just if you can tell people and all that there is actually a free trial, if you just let folks know, I mean, I, I don't suppose there's any listening to this that don't already know about the Athletic, but if you just let us know about the free trial and stuff like that and what you can get on, on the Athletic. I so originally it was a 30 day free trial, but I think they've extended it to a 90 day free trial just during this period, obviously, because there's no live sport or anything. So um, basically, you sign up and then your money for the year or the month, if you want, gets taken off at the end. Um, but I don't know, yeah, if you're interested in Rangers, then uh, I'm doing like three, or three articles, four articles, feature length a week. Um, and then you drop a lot of the boys to, um, down south, like Danny Taylor and Ollie Kay, who are. They're much bigger names than me and much uh, much more uh, worthy of your money than me. But uh, no, if you're interested in them, then it obviously helps you know get value for money. Um, so I don't want to, <laughs> want to promote it too much. <laughs> Righty, all right. Well, I try my best for you there, Jordan, to get it promoted, but you're, you're no big headed enough to carry on talking about it. So we'll move on. <laughs> um, now, we're going to have a wee chat about the, the SPFL. Now, I understand. No, no. Martin, I'm really sorry to, to interrupt there for a second, but there was a question I just wanted to ask Jordan about that. How did you become attached to the athletic happen? Well, um, so I was I was just working at Sky Sports News and the um, basically as a production um, person, so behind the scenes. Uh, but Alex Kazelski, who was the who was the editor at the at the sports desk at the Times, um, I knew him through work experience a few years ago. So um, he just approached me asking. I want to be a writer. Um, and then when he said it was about Rangers, it was 
a no-brainer, really. So, I no, that was that was how I got involved with it. So, yeah. just one wee follow-up question, and I know you'll probably have to scut this one carefully, right? Yeah. But how do you find that? I mean, you're a, you're obviously a fairly a fairly young guy, right? Not as old as Scott or as old looking Scott, right? But um, <laughs> but I'm just wondering. You know, for example, with things like things like this as Ibrox that you're on right now, how do you find the interplay between the athletic the subscription service and you know replacing mainstream media coming up against fan content, which seems to be more and more, and you know fans getting more and more having platforms? How do you find that work? Is that an easier, more enjoyable place than maybe the old style used to be? I well, I mean, I obviously can't speak for what newspapers think or anything, but like we are not. Like we, a lot of people maybe see us as competing against newspapers, but I guess we're just doing what we think works, and it's a different sort of model to newspapers. So um, I wouldn't criticise newspapers, and obviously you're uh, you're getting, you know, this, this is Ibrooks, you're getting uh, Jersnet, you're getting Heart and Hand podcast, Four Lads of a Dream, like you're getting a load of these Rangers sites pop up. Uh, so obviously, make my job of you harder, but. Uh, <laughs> no, like, aye, it's good because, you know, everybody's, everybody can do it now, you know what I mean? You don't need to be qualified in anything, you don't need to call yourself a journalist, anybody can do it. So, as long as you're, you know, you're capable of getting Maddie Baguera on a podcast, so why would you know? Why would you know what to put it out there? So, um, no, nah, like, it's, it's a busy marketplace, isn't it? I think it's mm. football, it's always the same. So, um, like, everybody's got their own, like, their own wee, their own market segment and, you know, I don't think there's too much overlap, so I think there's plenty of room to breathe for everybody. But <laughs> you know, do you know, I don't even think Jim White could get Magic Figuera for an interview. Do you know that? Nah, nah I think you're right. Eh? No one if Magic Figuera was lying in a hospital bed and um, saying that he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, guys, listen, we'll move on and talk about the SPFL now, like I was saying before, before I was rudely interrupted by Thomas, which is a week My different. apologies, Martin, my yeah. apologies. Because I get into, a, I get into a, a motion and I know what I'm saying and now you've totally fucking disrupted it, you know what I'm saying? That's the only reason, <laughs> That's the only reason I do it. Now, I appreciate there are certain things, Jordan, here that I can't ask you and stuff like that, yeah. so I'll try and keep it as legal as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the first question I will ask you before I take it to the guys is, was there much surprise within the media? that the SPFL resolution passed, not taking into account the Rangers resolution or anything like that, but was there, was there a great deal of surprise that, that that motion did get passed? Well, I, I think it, towards five o'clock on the Friday, I think, there was surprise that, well, the surprise that there was a team missing, but I think most people had thought it was going to come down to one team, either Inverness or Dundee, but I think most people thought it was Inverness, because Dundee will seem to be the one leading them into the no-camp. But uh, I think this once that when the resolution was first put in front of the teams, I think most people probably thought the Premiership would go. Um, I think most people thought League One and League Two would go, especially when they were grouped together. So, like the the Championship, obviously with the playoffs was the most uncertain. Um, but you know, obviously when you seen <laughs> on Friday that uh, there was a team missing at twenty six, and nobody had been. Every, I think all the media had been briefed that Friday was the deadline. Um, so obviously I don't think any did check the resolutions to check that it was 28 days was the mandatory amount of time given um, so I think everybody was surprised including the teams that the standings were released during a live vote um, so I think that's still something that not properly got an answer as to why that happened um, but 
you know, that's up to the SPFL to, to clarify that. The thing I couldn't believe was, sorry guys, the thing I couldn't believe was that they released the, the voting results with one team's vote missing. I thought that was shocking, to be honest. And it gave that team that his vote was missing all the power. Yeah. That's that's true, and and Scott, I'll take this to you because I can't ask Jordan this, even though I'm desperate to ask him it. Right, <laughs> just pretend, right, Scott, you're Jordan Campbell, right? Does something no, no smell ask quite Jordan right? Campbell. I, I can't <laughs> ask. Does something no smell quite right about us? It's it, listen. It's absolutely it's a shambles. It's an absolute shambles. I can't believe that what happened. Obviously, missed the opportunity to speak about this last week, but. Um, it's it's incredible what's went on in our game this sort of past ten days or so. It really is. I managed to catch um, the the broadcast that the Cali Thistle guy uh, Scott Gardner done, and um, he's actually able to break down his full um, his full information to to the nth degree. So he's talking about things happening at sixteen fifty two, and he's talking about communication that he's having with Indy, which. As Jordan has maybe alluded to, was was that they were hunky dory. They knew what they were going to do. There was no confusion, and then all hell breaks loose. It's just it's incredible, and to think that we we still don't really um, have the proper answers on it is it's another embarrassing um, situation for the game up here. It's terrible. The investigation that surely has to happen, um, I think, is going to open up an incredible uh, can of worms. For the game up here. If I could take us right back to the start, Thomas, why was there so much haste from the SPFL to get push this vote through so quickly? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question, and with all due regard to the the players inside the the drama that was the the SPFL vote, it's hard it's hard to see a clear rationale. And you could point to the monetary values, ending the league, getting some certainty, paying out the clubs, all the arguments that were put forward. But it's hard to understand and. You know, guys, can I count an argument to this? But it's hard to see a rational view to why that would have to be done when even within their own voting system that was up to a month, they were saying you could vote. So the 28 days, was it or was it not a hard a hard timeline? You know, by all, by all intents and purposes, it was vote by Friday, not the 28 days. And then do it ahead of the first UEFA statement, which I think came out yesterday, and then the further UEFA executive committee meeting, which I think is due for tomorrow, which would have laid out the kind of pan-European approach. And so why the SPFL thought it was useful to put forward a vote, get the rank on the division within Scottish football, make a decision for the lower leagues, when the issue about Rangers European um, uh, Europa League progress, for example, hadn't even been touched by UEFA. It would have been much better to have been inside the European camp with this than out on the kind of frozen fringes of making decision making, which Scotland has done again. We've, we, I think we've made a, a bit of a laughing stock with ourselves, and I still can't see out with of, you know, nefarious online uh, conspiracy theories why the SPFL would have thought this was a good idea because the argument to get the payments out doesn't hold water anymore. That's that's the as quick answer as I can give you. And just just before I come to you, Wally, I'll come back to you, Jordan, and and take away all the conspiracy theories, take away everything, just the way that all this has been done, especially from a media point of view. How does this make Scottish football look, mm. especially um, especially to people outside Scotland, I should say? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it, you know it's farcical. I think for us being inside Scotland, uh, you know, I think people that I've spoken to outside of Scotland maybe don't know the exact details, but they know it's been a bit of a shambles the process. Um, so you know, I don't think you even need to go into the detail to see that Scottish football again looks like a laughing stock. Um, something that should probably have had time taking over is been rushed quicker than it needed to be. Um, I think like you're looking at that. Yesterday, that announcement for UEFA was saying, you know, Dale Johnson at ESPN brought up a good point, saying that well, Rangers still have the second leg to play, and if that, if Rangers then need to keep the squad that they registered in January, then if Scotland end the league say next week or two weeks time, then how does that square with having a team technically still in 1920, but then also a team in season 2021? Um, so I think. That, that's still something I've been trying to get clarity from UEFA over, but they've not been able to give me an answer on that yet. Uh, but My understanding with that, Jordan, just a quick question, uh, since you're chasing UEFA up. My understanding from the outside was UEFA rules mandate that it has to be the exact same squad that was registered that would finish. Yeah, so- I, think, well, I think in normal circumstances that is the thing, but I don't know whether this festival of football, they're calling it in August, playing the when yeah. the League games, whether there'll be different regulations, but then you're potentially having, if they go ahead with a transfer window, then you'd have completely different squads. Final, you know, I don't see that would work in a, you know, in a, in a fair way. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I don't know whether the SPFL did consider that. I know there was six, six different options put, um, written down and explained briefly in the in the resolution handed out to, to the teams, but. And Bud said herself that she found the, the sixth option, which what the one they voted on, was it, the wording was different in terms of like it was clearly the SPFL were trying to push it, and I think Les alluded to that as well when he was on Sports Sound. Um, but again, like one of the I wrote an article on that last week saying the quit you know the questions the SPFL still need to answer because um, when I put it to them, never asked me. Um, so I think you need to explain why parts of changes, why their proposals were rejected, um, rather than just one line. I think they also need to maybe explain why why loans were seen as plausible, because I know Leslie said that loans could be made available, but due diligence would need to be done. But the money was already sitting in the SPFL, so I don't know why, if a rule change is needed, this is what part of this was legal advice said as well, if a rule change is needed to write needed to be to bring a bring season to an end because that's not within the SPFL powers until all thirty eight games are played. Then why a real, only a real change would be needed to make the end of season payment, you know, mm-hmm. paid out whenever they like. So um that's something they probably need to explain. But whether whether an, an independent investigation happens or not, um also remains to be seen. But I I don't I don't think we're nearly the end of this saga anyway. Not at all. Yeah. No, well, uh, well uh, sorry, on you go, Mark. No, on you go, Tom. It's just smarter than me. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not. Um, maybe just to be a bit louder at the moment. Uh, the, the only question I was going to ask was just just to bookend to Jordan. Is there any noises that you're hearing about where the SPFL are maybe thinking about this independent uh, investigation? I know Murdoch McLaren had made a statement uh, in public saying that they'll do an internal investigation, so no issues with mentioning that. But I'm just wondering, is there any sort of sea change? behind the, uh, the closed doors about the need for a public um, 
independent investigation to clarify and clear up what has obviously damaged the, the SPFL's uh, public image? Uh, well, not that I'm aware of just now, but I think if Rangers are going to push it, then it will require support from a number of clubs in order for that to be for that to be something that happens, because I think obviously it's a members-run organisation, so they would need a fair, a fair few to come out and say that they want it as well. Um, but again, it's probably something you probably see coming ahead sooner or later, I think. Um, obviously, Rangers are keeping all legal options open, but I don't think I think they would rather an independent investigation just now. Yeah, well, see, Thomas just stole my question for Wally there. So, unfortunately, Wally, I don't have a question for you, mate. I'm going to, going to have to I apologise to I am just enjoying this conversation, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go straight back to Jordan again. And Rangers have said that they've got evidence to suggest well, we don't exactly know what the evidence suggests, but do you have any knowledge? I'm not asking you what the evidence is, but do you have any knowledge that Rangers have the evidence? And if you do, is it good enough to do what Rangers will obviously want to do? With? Well, I mean, that's Rangers' stance is that they have they have the evidence, but also you're at a bit of, a bit of standoff just now um, with the SPFL saying they need to see the evidence before they open an investigation. So um, I think. Again, if an independent investigation is opened, then you'll see whether Rangers do have the evidence or not. Um, like obviously, the WhatsApp messages that were leaked were pretty, um, as you say, like Scott Gardner given the timeline. I think they obviously, um, you know, they're obviously something that the SPFL need to answer um, about how that was handled. Um, but, you know, I can't comment on Rangers, um, Rangers, what they claim to have um, until they, they produce it. You'd like to think with with them going on record in the manner that they have done that they've got TNT somewhere. Simple as that. You know, they they, they certainly have something that they are they're quite happy to keep up their sleeve um, until this investigation is is announced. And I, I hope they keep it up their sleeve and until they're they're ready to release it. Um, I believe they'll have something that will be probably be quite um, eye opening without having any knowledge of what that could be. Certainly, but I don't think they would have went to the, the lengths that they've went thus far um, to park it and just go quiet on it. They must have something. I think Douglas Park, uh, or Rangers anyway, released a statement asking about the, the whistleblowers and that as well, wanting kind of to see what was going to happen with them and where you were going to kind of report that to. I think that's all kind of Rangers are trying to find the structure, so to speak, like where they take it to, because obviously they don't want to take it to, to the guys are trying to get you know away from their office kind of thing. And, and Thomas, if I could just put a quick point to you, if, if Rangers don't have the, the kind of evidence that they say they have, Douglas Park as interim chairman, um, not only will it be egg on the face, but will that no, could that not possibly be the end of his chairmanship, if you like, and if Rangers are bluffing? Well, I think it's a bit wider than that, actually, Martin, in terms of if Rangers have made such a public showing of having uh, a whistleblower contact them and then evidence and it turns out they don't have it, then the narrative and the story switches from the SPFL and what went on with the vote to why did Rangers make a false claim? So you would absolutely not want that to be the case. And then there's a fallout for people behind the scenes at Rangers if that was the case. Now, I fully believe that Rangers wouldn't have made this statement unless, as Scott said, they're sitting on some level of TNT. But let's you know play out the hypothetical. They don't have it. Everybody ends up with egg in their face. They look silly. The SPFL looked like they were always in the right and Rangers were on the margins crying wolf. 
Douglas Park gets a, a hit. His credibility, I think, from a statement perspective, David Graham would have the shine taken off his uh, immediate successes, and that would permeate through the club. Rangers made a big stance and a big fight about this. I suspect they do have evidence. It would be foolhardy and ultimately um, not to their best interests if they'd uh, egged over egg this. So I, I think it's the case. But yeah, everybody would be hurt with this with the club if it turned out to be a false claim. Right, and, and and then just finally then, Jordan, um, on Sky and BT, um, for games not played yet, uh, have you got any knowledge of if they're going to, say, not pay out the money or will the contracts change next season? Is anything like that, do you know, being discussed? No, no in terms of a, a Scotland perspective. Um, like Sky, well, Sky have indicated that, you know, nothing's off the table now because it's obviously such unprecedented times that, you know, even four old firm games next season might not be a given. Um, with league reconstruction, etc., etc. So I think there are noises down south about games being played down, games being played behind closed doors in order to honour certain contracts. Um, clubs not being clubs having to pay back money to the broadcasters if they don't fulfil them. Um, so I think that's all a bit of a mess just now because obviously clubs are finding it hard enough. Um, so that's why I think they didn't want literally behind closed doors to start with because obviously they're not getting any revenue for, for the people coming through the gates. Um, so I don't, I don't, I would, I'd be unable to say whether BT or Sky are, look, are looking for money back or whether they're Sky are wanting extra game shown next year to compensate. Um, you know, I think we'll actually be lucky if you get people that you know get crowds at games this year, never mind by August time. So um, I think. You know, I think these deals are going to need to be rewritten and readjusted to reflect reflect what is happening in society. Basically, I think I think everybody talking about you know the season starting on time in August is probably you know make believe stuff. I don't think that's probably going to happen, especially with fifty thousand people. I don't just don't see that happening. Um, so until a vaccine's found, then I think football is going to just need to play it by ear, and also that includes Scotland as well. Um, but how how Scotland get around the fact that? They're so reliant on gate receipts. Most of the clubs, especially, you know, even you look at Rangers, are sixty percent. I think the the last accounts were accounted for by um, season ticket money, which obviously a lot of it's up front. But um, I think they'll be reliant on that even more. Um, people, you know, the generosity of the fans, maybe committing to paying a, an amount that the games don't reflect. Um, I think that's something that a lot of teams across the world don't even well maybe need to consider what price they offer in terms of what product they're able to give for that money. Um, so, aye, it's a bit of a, anyone's guess at the moment. But, no, I think Sky, Sky's got exclusivity next season as well. So, um, they'll know what to give that up. So, I think there'll be a bit of, bit of leeway on both sides. But, um, I think finances of clubs are obviously the most important thing. Jordan. Sorry, Jordan, do you think with the talk of league reconstruction, Sky will have a big say in what happens? Oh, well, I mean, they've got a major stake in it, so I think Sky will be heavily involved in the in the talks because, like, they expect four old firm games because whether people like it or not, that is the thing that brings in viewers. It might not be the worldwide global event that it used to be, but you know, it still is the main thing that they can sell. Um, but then I think if you get a fourteen team league, you can still manage that. But fourteen teams doesn't keep Dundee happy, or a lot of teams happy who have been pushing for that. So then I said you talk about a sixteen team league. 
then you've probably got to lose four old firm games. So unless they come up with some really <laughs> really strange structure, which is even more convoluted than a split, then I don't see how you can maintain the four four old firm games and keep Sky happy and keep all the clubs yeah. happy. So somebody's gonna have to lose whatever scenario it is. Um but it's probably just about keeping most people happy and especially the people who get the most money. Absolutely right. Now, Jordan, I know you need to go, bud, so I'll, I'll let you go and, and we'll carry on. But listen, thanks very much for, for coming on and, and don't be a stranger. No, pleasure, mate. Right, lads, if we just kind of finish off then, we'll have a wee chat about the league reconstruction. And uh, Scott, I'll come to you first. Um, the, the, the reconstruction committee was announced and was it any surprise to you that on that reconstruction committee was Partick Thistle Hearts? Who else was it? Hamilton? Hamilton, no, not at all. Um, it's uh, the thing that probably um, was a wee bit eyebrow raising was the amount of statements that uh, uh, Mrs. Budge chose to make after it. So kind of we'll throw you in, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. But she kept on putting out statements that were almost um, just going against everything. They knew the situation that they had effectively put themselves in. There's clearly not going to be any relegation this year. I think that's that's the, the main thing I've taken from this whole sort of scenario and Hamilton and Hart's been, been thrown in to, to lead that um that group of of people. I know it's it's mental. It's mental. And and while there's been a lot of discussions about should it be a fourteen team league, a sixteen team league, for me personally, I, I look at I look at the example Germany showing it's eighteen eighteen team league thirty four games a year but I think we discussed it when Jordan was on. Scottish football desperately needs four old forum games a season. Yeah, absolutely. I think we probably have to come up with some sort of unique split. Maybe I think in Belgium, I think they've got um, like a kind of Champions League, like European split, where like I think it's the top six teams go into their own wee kind of split to play each other in a couple of rounds of games. Maybe they could come up with something like that. I don't know, but that's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Thomas, do you know many people who are a fan of the, the split as it currently is now? I don't know anybody who's a fan of the SPFL. <laughs> um, now, to be honest with you, but uh, the short answer, no. I think it's. I'm not a big fan of this phrase, right? But I think it's fairly tin pot. Any any league that has to do something to itself rather than just run a league course out has a, a structural problem, a, a flaw at its heart that needs to be worked on because a league doesn't need to split. It plays out its league. And that's it. The problem, and I think the guys have alluded to it, is Scottish football and all the other fans, every other club, love to hate, uh, you know, kind of Rangers and the other kind of Glasgow team at the moment um, who are in the Premiership. But they are the biggest drivers. They are the engine of Scottish football. And so when a, a broadcaster like Sky or BT Sport come along, it's how do I guarantee my four games? So I think I've said this to you guys before. I look forward to a mini league at the end of the season where. Rangers and Celtic playing, you know, best of three or bringing back the first cup or a game of chippy doing Edmonton drive or something <laughs> like that, you know, with a six-hour build-up. But they can't get away from that. So they have to, you have to guarantee your four games a season and then you have to play the, the league out. Your four or four games a season and then play the league out. So, I like league, league reconstruction will only get you so far in the moment, um, but it will do enough to satisfy and budge because you can bite a bottom dollar. It's all good I think for, for, as well, I mean, I, I know what I sort of think, but you just don't trust them to get it right. 
It's as simple yeah. as that. You just don't believe <laughs> that they're going to get this right. They can, I mean, they can talk and talk and they'll have meeting after meeting for the next three, four weeks guaranteed and it'll go nowhere. And you just know that the end result is is not going to be something that is going to be desirable for the game up here. Fact. I look forward to, at, at the end of all that planning, uh, either Henry McLeish will be wheeled out for a written branch review <laughs> or um, Barry Helm will come up to tell us how to do it and make some sensational claims in the, in the media <laughs> about how it has to be a 40-team league and there has to be technical pumping out six hours before every game, three hot dogs <laughs> and t-shirt cannons. Right, welcome to the SPFL 2021. Uh, it's not going to surprise me if it comes out no. that, but you know, my best of luck to, to Anne Budge, and I hope she stores away the oars that she used to roll back her position safely because she might need them in the future. Do you know what, guys? I'm going to put a, I think I should put a bet on if I can find it somewhere and saying they're going to go with a 16 team league because just looking at it, we've got the Old Firm Derby, we've got the Edinburgh Derby. You could have the Inverness Ross County Derby, the Dundee Derby, and the Ayrshire Derby, or in the league. That might be a, a, a slight sell, or, or especially in the clubs voting that through. I think he'll kind of get their own uh, gate receipts up. I don't think anybody... Because you, you've got to remember that it's not just marketed to us here in Scotland. Sky obviously try to market it as a, across the British Isles, and I don't know anybody sitting in Coventry in Birmingham that's going to tune in to watch Kilmarnock v United. You know what I mean? I, nah. just, I, just, I just don't see that as a, as a logical way, a way forward. Well, hold on. No, Livingston versus Kilmarnock, the plastic derby. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, just before we go, I wanted to get your quick, quick opinions on this. And There's been a lot of talk for, for Rangers fans, especially on Twitter, about the way that this has all been handled and boycotting away games. Now, I actually probably go to more away games than home games simply just because of my work situation, but I'll come to all three of you for your, your points on this. Wally, where do you stand on the club not accepting tickets or accepting the minimum required tickets for away games? And where do you stand on the majority of fans saying the away fans don't go? Uh, I think you're always going to get fans going, if I'm honest. It happened this season. Was it this season? In Bern? Um, fans managed to get their, their own tickets via the uh, Young Boys Burn uh, ticket office, but um, it just kind of draws a few kind of things to me. Like, who's going to take responsibility for the fans if Rangers aren't taking any tickets? Just say that happens. Who's going to take responsibility if something happens in that end? Would Rangers end up getting hit with fines and whatnot, or would the home club that sold them is basically home? Tickets take uh, any blame for anything that was to happen. That would be my big kind of worry. That's, a, that's quite a good point, uh, Scott. Uh, my personal approach would be to take the the least amount possible. Um, I think we've already found that we can go to grounds with um, a small amount of fans and and sort of do the business. So, whereas um, we wouldn't be taking thousands. Um, to places like Tynecastle, Petaudry, um, I think we should take the the minimal we can um, and inevitably starve them out because they they've relied on the blue pound since we came back up, and they'll soon know when it's not there anymore. Thomas, I can see you're looking very ponderous sitting there. 
I was trying to work through some of the scenarios in my mind, um, and my mind's not that quick uh, anymore. Um, but it's, it's, I get it, right? So putting the, the staunch meter to one side, right, that everybody wants to go to every game, which I, I totally get, right? And the points that Willie and, and Scott have just made there as well, it's it's a, it's a zero-sum game, right? And I think Scott's hit on probably the only logical way forward, which is you take the minimum amount of tickets and then the club can dish them out. The reason I say it's a zero-sum game is, you know, part of me says I want every club in the SPFL bar Rangers to go to the wall, right? For a host of reasons, right? Which I'm not going to touch on here at this point in time, right? <laughs> Um, because this is a podcast and not a therapy session but that's a you know if, if that happens you don't have a league anymore right and you also want the clubs in your league to be relatively strong because that gives the league better exposure and then they can do better in Europe and also your TV deal gets bigger and bigger if it's more competitive right however at the same time I think clubs should be punished for the way that they have approached the relationship with Rangers in the last seven to 10 years and the only logical way I can do that and balancing out the fact that we've got a vested interest in some of the gates as well uh, type of thing and there's there's, uh, SPFL legal rules around about what you need to do in taking tickets you can't just blanket knock them back then you take your minimum you dish that out you satisfy the core of the fans you satisfy your minimum requirements to the league but ultimately Scott says these clubs don't get the huge investment of the blue pound and so they do feel a wee bit of the, the cane from us, which is right and proper in my mind. So sitting on the fence, St Thomas, as usual. As always, as always. <laughs> yeah, oh. I, think it's, I think it's going to be interesting because, like, Kilmarnock and uh, Hearts have uh, cut our allocations in the past, just that season there. St Johnson wanted us to take more. It's going to be interesting to see if the others will maybe follow St Johnson's kind of lead, wanting more kind of money in through the turnstiles for Rangers fans and any other large travelling support in Scotland. Do you know, well, we've just, that's a very good point. And just one kind of last thing on that, and I'm not going to go into a, a Gary Neville olive oil and bread restaurant rant here, right? But there was a time when club-to-club relations were a gentleman and a gentlewoman's game. Now, cutting allocations is a political thing in terms of clubs use it to make statements. There was a time when these things were discussed between board and chair, uh, chairman and boards. Now it's, let's do this to the fans. I'm not saying I'm against it, but there's a shift in the way that everybody acts to each other these days, and the clubs aren't immune to that as well. Everybody loves a statement. Everybody loves a grandstand. Every love, well, in some clubs, they never get to fill that grandstand, but everybody loves grandstanding. Everybody loves cutting allocations. Everybody loves everything. Do you know what? I want to go back to when there was no bread and olives and olive oil. I just want chicken in a basket. Yeah, I'd rather just have chicken on a plate. But listen, we shall... <laughs> You've never lived. You've we never lived. We shall leave it there because I've actually got a munchie box sitting in the kitchen waiting on it. So... <laughs> and a bottle of blue none. Has it been but sitting listen, in there all that time? It's been sitting in there all that time. I you had to add on a wee extra bit at the end. Cold kebab meets the worst surely. No, I've got a microwave. I can afford a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't mean it that way, but surely it's worse if you if you microwave it. I don't know. I don't know. But the longer we keep talking, you're about to find out. <laughs> I, I hope you've noticed what I'm doing here. <laughs> I do have a host of questions. 
Right, guys, well, we'll leave it there this week. Big thanks to Scott, Willie and Thomas. And just before we go, um, obviously there's, there's not a lot of football on, but there's still plenty of content on our website. It's thisisibrooks.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at thisisibrooks, as I'm handing a beer. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash thisisibrooks. Basically, just Google thisisibrooks and you'll find us. Um, so, big thanks from me, big thanks from Scott, Willie, Thomas, and we'll see you next week.